I V M I V M Hello everyone this is your daily NBA podcast coming to you from Monday to Friday I'm your host Monish and as always joined by Nishant this is Triangle Offense We had two nail biters today. The Utah Jazz taking a very big 2-0 lead against the LA Clippers. It'll be tough for the Clippers to bounce back after that loss. And the Milwaukee Bucks get one back. It was a 90s slugfest out there, but they got the win eventually. 2-1 now in favor of the Nets. Lots to talk about on today's episode. Let's get started. Whether you're an established sports person or a budding one or simply a sports enthusiast, join us Tanvi and Shlok. We are two passionate pro badminton players talking policy, mindset and everything sport. So tune in to the Millennial Athlete every Monday only on the IVM Podcast Network. Trust us, it's going to be lit. We'll start off with the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets and that like I said it was a 90s slugfest wasn't it? 86-83. When when was the last time you saw two teams in a playoff score in the 80s? And these are two uh, two of the best offensive teams in the league. Yeah. Milwaukee Bucks finished on top. I think the Brooklyn Nets finished second, and they couldn't score ninety in a game. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, Middleton and Giannis scoring seventy nine percent of all Milwaukee's points. That is the mm-hmm. highest percentage of points scored by a duo in playoff history. Oh, wow. uh, yeah. Kyrie and KD got fifty points as well, but that kind of uh, looks small when compared to what Giannis and Middleton did. Uh, KD scoring 30 points, getting 11 rebounds, almost getting a game a game tying shot at the end, but unfortunately for him it bounced off. It was an it was almost an improbable shot to make, but I think that was the best you could do with that in that position that he was in. Kyrie got 22, 9 out of 22 from shooting. KD was 11 from uh, 11 out of 28 on shooting. Not the most efficient nights for the Nets, the lowest score in the entire season. It was also the Milwaukee Bucks lowest score the entire season. They matched the score they got in the first and the second game where they scored 86 as well. And if you told me at the start of the day if Bucks would score 86, I would have thought that they got run over again by KD and Kyrie, but this was a ga- great game to watch. Uh it was a proper playoff classic I would call it. It was good to see that only 14 threes were made in the game. They attempted 64 threes and they made only 14. that was it was that bad at shooting night for both the teams uh, yeah. it was body on body defense it was clumsy it got it got fiery in between with pj tucker and kd going face to face with each other and had to be separated by guards uh, it was everything you could have asked for uh, what were your takeaways from the game <laughs> they had to be that they had to be separated by guards for no good reason i don't know why <laughs> they needed security they just they came face to face they said said some stuff and that that was about it and they had security on the floor separating them it's just ridiculous um <clears throat> I guess I'd take that over technical fouls though. Just uh, mm-hmm. text and True. flagrant. Oh, both got least. charged with technical though, unfortunately. Yeah, But nobody seemed to, to care because it was both were penalized. For for no good reason, they shoot out texts. <laughs> and I'd much rather just bring security on the court and don't hit them with a the tech. That'd be that'd be an acceptable middle ground. Um, this was this was good old playoff basketball. Eighties, nineties. This is what it was all about. You would have seen in the Jordan documentary, the Bad Boy Pistons. Mm-hmm. They defended. It's it's not quite as feisty. It's not as physical now the defense, but but these scores are not um, unusual if you go back twenty years or so. Yep. I mean NBA finals were like this all the time. There were teams that scored seventy something in the playoffs. Right. Um, a great to see. Um, good defense, but I think also aided by atrocious offense. 
mm-hmm. uh, for large stretches of the game. The first quarter belonged to Milwaukee, second quarter was all Brooklyn. But the the standout stat for both quarters is nobody shot the three very well. Yep. It was just uh, it was all good old mid range basketball taking it to the hoop basketball. But uh, finishing at the rim, Kyrie, all these guys, but nobody really shot the three very well. And that continued to, uh, throughout the game as the Brooklyn Nets. The Bucks, you would you wouldn't be too surprised if they had an off night. Mm-hmm. So like a good night for them is when they're shooting 35% plus or 40 from three. An yep. off night, whatever, 30 or slightly below. The Nets were, were shockingly bad from the three. Credit to okay. the Bucks defense, of course. Uh, but the Nets were bad. And it's not like the Bucks didn't defend them well before, but they'd always find a way to get it to um, Joe Harris. <laughs> I just keep thinking so many times because <laughs> with Mikhail and... Uh, there's three names that you'll confuse so much, right? Mikhail and Miles Bridges, uh, Bogdan and Boyan Bogdanovich, and then Joe Harris and Gary Harris. Anyway, uh, when Joe Harris shoots one for seven, you know it's a bad night. You know it's a bad... Mm-hmm. Um, he shot one from eleven, by the way. Was it? Oh, wow. Yeah. No, I'm talking about just three. Yeah. I think from I think three he... it was... Uh, yeah, we could check, but whatever. So yeah. when, when he shoots... He had a miserable night, yeah. Yeah, so one for seven from three and one for eleven overall. So he, he hit no... <laughs> Nothing. He did like <laughs> one three-pointer in all 11 shots that he took. And even worse, he missed everything from within the arc. So, uh, that, was a, that was a bad night. Now, to the box though. Enough about, about the Nets. Uh, Nets, by the way, got... I, I think the depth of their squad exposed a bit, uh, got exposed a bit. And they, everyone yeah. spoke about this before the playoffs, right? That True. Um, outside the big three, who do they have? But the, the second level of that question is if one of the big three gets injured, do they have anyone at all? Just... Just to play, not not to contribute. Just to step on the court and have the minimum. Um, they had a very shallow uh, team that they put out, right? I think outside the starters, they had what, like um, three, six, da da da. That's about it. Eight, nine players played totally, yep. and they had yep. to rotate between them, right? And and you know that given how they've skewed their squad outside their big three, the others are really not that great. True. Okay, maybe you you put in a a Blake Griffin and a, a, a Joe Harris. Mm. Landry Shamit, yeah. that's about it. They, they really don't have anyone else. And so then it becomes all the more costly for uh, for the first team not to contribute on points because you can't really expect much from the bench. You get a little rebounding, some defense here and there, but not really points. And that's where it, it cost them. Desperately missed James Harden. Um, yep. Not James Harden, the scorer. James Harden, the scorer, would have put this game to bed. But James Harden, the playmaker... Would have created opportunity. I think it, it just came down to uh, desperation shots for Joe Harris or Kev- Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving creating something out of nothing. It's just yep. just ISO basketball, creating shots for themselves. Uh, both combined for like eight assists, which is just not good enough when you're, when you're yep. Brooklyn. Uh, which which means then you're putting it all on yourself because the ball's not leaving your hands that much. Over to Milwaukee, outstanding defense, loved it. Drew Holiday decided he doesn't care about offense. He's only going to play defense today. <laughs> That's superb. Uh, Middleton did a good job. Tucker did an even better job on Durant and the, largely it was just these two guarding um, Kevin Durant. Giannis was Giannis. Brook Lopez was outstanding as a rim protector. True. Especially in the second half. How clutch is that? Yep. Most of his blocks came in the second half. So, yep. uh, when when the game got tight. Uh, also, when both teams realized there's no point shooting the three, let's just <laughs> take it to the rim because nobody's hitting them. Um, great defensive performance. On offense, Giannis did his thing. It was bully ball for the first two to three quarters. I think the third quarter, they really shut him down and, and put that... Uh, that Giannis stopper formula to use just clogged the lanes completely. He can't drive because if you notice in the in the first two, even in the first three quarters, what is Giannis's go-to move? Wherever he gets the ball, take a couple of steps back. Yep. Not to shoot a step back three. That's to give himself runway when he's going to drive to the rim, right? So he takes a couple of steps back beyond the arc, 
that's Luca James Harden, that's a three. But nope, Giannis, they're happy to let him take that step back. They shouldn't, by the way. Somebody should close him down because that's what gives him that, that runway to... It, yeah. It's literally like he's taking off. He takes two steps back, gives himself more space <laughs> to run and then just starts darting towards the rim kind of against whoever's in the way. That they shut down. They doubled and triple teamed him in the uh, last one and a half quarters, so to speak, and forced the ball out of his hands into Middleton hands, uh, Middleton's hands. That's a strategy any team would live with. That's a strategy that has won playoff series in the past. Get the ball out mm-hmm. of Giannis's hands into Middleton's hands. In this series also, it wasn't anything uh, to write home about in the first two games. But tonight, Middleton decided it was his night. Stepped up yeah. on offense, lead scorer for the team, including some pretty uh, uh, effective scoring in the second half when they needed him the most. When Giannis was trapped the yep. most, uh, for- forcing Giannis to take and make one three-pointer. He attempted a bunch, but he had one three-pointer ultimately. <laughs> um, credit to Middleton, credit to the Bucks defense. They showed up and and when it counted most, uh, their offense came to the party. Just enough to edge out Brooklyn. Yeah, if you saw the last few minutes, it was a fun matchup. KD and Middleton were having a one-on-one matchup where Middleton was shooting, KD was replying. Middleton yeah. was shooting, KD was replying. That was great. And with two down, Kyrie spilled a loose ball. It Ball ends up with Bruce Brown of all people. When you yeah. have KD, Kyrie and you put up a team with the big three, Harden, you would not imagine that in a playoff, crunch playoff game and crunch, crunch time, yeah. the ball goes to Bruce Brown, uh, Bruce Brown to get the winner. Uh, that was ridiculous. He missed the layup. Giannis with an amazing rebound. Passes the ball to Drew Holiday. Uh, I I and everyone else probably expected the Bucks to take a timeout and yeah. force the ball into the other court, but mm. they did not. Ball to Drew Holiday, he uh, goes back to Bruce Brown, one-on-one with him, and just spins and gets the layup. Game over. I mean, And the only time he decided to play offense was the game-winning shot, pretty much. Exactly. Exactly. I think it was great, uh, great uh, yeah. in-game thinking by the coach and the players themselves because if you're taking a timeoff, you knew that the ball is going to Giannis and they would foul yeah. him and then... You would live with that lottery of Yannis, whether he would miss the free throw or shoot the free throw, especially given that he was under pressure. In the first quarter, he was called for a, uh, he was called a foul for uh, using the time, 10 seconds time uh, clock on the free throw. And that's, that's I mean, sad to see. It showed hey, that I, he was under pressure. You'd rather let Brook Lopez shoot from half court than let Yannis take free throws to end the game. I agree. I think Brook Lopez is a good shooter, in fact. From half court, sure. <laughs> That was great uh, in-game thinking, I would say, by the Bucks, which eventually won them the game. And yeah. you, we criticized Bud a couple of times, uh, actually a few times, a dozen times over the last few seasons for not having that in-game presence of mind. I think it showed here and it it, it resulted in a win. So, great uh, thinking from the Bucks there. I agree. Um, can also newsflash to the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, Claxton mm-hmm. cannot defend Giannis. When, I don't know when... Like, maybe they need to hear this today. Maybe they've already heard this. Claxton cannot defend Giannis. They should stop leaving him one-on-one exposed. <laughs> it happened one time too many. If it happened four times, that was three times more than it should have happened. He just can't do it. They have... They decided not to play DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Which leaves them with Blake Griffin as the only option to defend Giannis. Maybe uh, uh, KD, if he if he feels up for it. Uh, Going to be tough under the rim, but KD can take him on the perimeter and the mid-range. That's about it. Claxton cannot defend Giannis. He got embarrassed today. Um, and that's that's pretty much all there is to say about the game. It'll be interesting to see uh, game four, uh, yeah. how Brooklyn start. I think that's all I'm looking at because Milwaukee started off hot and then Brooklyn were playing catch up pretty much the rest of the game. They pulled the lead back, whatever, but, but they were chasing shadows throughout. I'll be interested to see how Brooklyn start 
uh, and how the three shooting shapes up in the next game. Mm-hmm. If this team plays like they did all season, they're going to start hot and they'll make it really tough for Milwaukee uh, to come back. But if Milwaukee can continue this level of stifling defense in in the mm-hmm. next game two and the start, then this is a series. But otherwise, I still think Brooklyn's too strong. Yeah, it's getting intense, isn't it? The PJ versus KD drama. Then Yana's getting called for time violation. Yeah. Uh, the match going until the last position. So it's getting intense. It would suck if the Milwaukee Bucks lost the next next game and it went three one three one down. I think that's a little too much Correct. to climb back mm. from. Mm. So it'll be fun if the Milwaukee Bucks could come back and level the series. Yes, an uphill task, but still one that is probable and possible. Right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another week on the IBM Podcast Network. If you're not following us on social media, please do. We're IBM Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd like to thank the sponsors on the network this week, Siet and Cred. We really appreciate the support. It is what makes this possible. So it was a fun week on Cyrus Says. We had guests like Dolly Singh, we had Gunit Monga, we had Kamya Jani of Curry Tales, and Cock and Bull, as we always did. Do check it out. I think you'll really, really enjoy that. On Pesa Vesa, we crossed 300 episodes, and Anupam was joined by Akhil Honda, the digital head of Bank of Baroda. All Things Policy discussed topics like the 100 years of China's Communist Party, the Facebook versus the Government of India case, and the evolution of Indian science. On the Wire Talk, Siddharth Bhatia was joined by Gautam Bhatia to discuss the Central Vista project and why it's attracting so much flack. Siddharth and Archit are back on the Non-Curry podcast, and this time they raised the temperatures as they discussed the beloved spice mirchi. On the Millennial Athlete this week, Tanvi and Shlok speak to Sarita Chauri, a visually impaired judoist. And finally, I want to ask you all to give a listen to the Triangle Offense. Anybody who has heard me talk on a podcast knows I can't shut up about basketball, and these guys know more about it than I do. So, if you enjoy basketball, do check this out. Nishant and Monish do an excellent job with this show. I was one of their guests a few months ago, which is how I met them and tried to convince them to come onto the network, and they're finally here. So, definitely do check this out. Shows available on all major podcasting platforms, but they also have a daily YouTube episode, which is available on the IVM Podcast channel. And with that, let me get you back to your show. The other game, though, the Clippers and Jazz. How fun was that? The Clippers trailing by twenty-one at the in between the third quarter we thought it was game over we thought it was another one of those phoenix suns denver game from yesterday but then clippers like clippers are doing this season they like to come back from behind when uh, they're under pressure and then they eventually got the lead in the fourth quarter and i thought okay they might yeah. as well close this out but then jazz two clutch threes one by bogdan one by ingles to close out the game uh, donovan mitchell yet another splendid game he's he's a superstar i think yep, uh, yep. i think the commentators mentioned that he's moving elevated himself from a star to a superstar a 37 point game rudy gobert with a playoff career high of 20 rebounds he was immense in de- defense kawhi leonard 21 points silent night for him paul george yet another playoff night for him reggie jackson was on fire 27 points but not enough for the clippers uh, i think the jazz are coasting through the series now Yeah, because they're finishing strong. I, yeah. I think it has come down to that. Uh, even towards the end of the first half, the Jazz had a bit of a lead, but it was okay. Like it's not insurmountable. It was double digits, but it wasn't that high. And then in the third quarter, they pulled away to twenty-one, and that's when the Clippers decided to wake up. They got the lead in the fourth, but they they chopped it down big time in the third itself. I think they ended the yep. uh, by the end of the third, it was like slim single-digit lead. True. So Clippers fought back, but. As it always does, it boils down to what you do in the fourth quarter in games like this, and and the Jazz aren't particularly great uh, at finishing, but they're looking like that against the Clippers. Mm-hmm. You can see their decision, their decision making is still a little suspect. It's one of the pitfalls of playing this beautiful, free flowing team team basketball. Is 
uh, what happens when the other team is built to to shut you down like they're going all out they're just stifling you it gets physical you're off the ball movement stuff because you're bumping bodies all the time then you need somebody to take over the play calling call audibles call a new play make decisions on the floor um, sometimes even go iso except donovan mitchell who can do the iso thing pretty well but he is not the kind of he's not chris paul he's not yep. uh, prime rondo that's not his natural game so so that's going to be if only they were challenged in the in the fourth quarter then maybe you you tend to see this getting exposed but they're not uh, because the, the the clippers are even worse at finishing games yeah and and at least uh, these guys have donovan mitchell the clippers have no point guard like zero skills rondo True. i think he was done i think he was he was spent force after everything he did for the lakers last season so then the clippers are even worse and that's what's coming out in in both games it went close it could have gone either way even in the fourth quarter last three minutes could have gone either way and then the jazz triumphed yeah. uh, both teams made suspect decisions jazz just hit their shots it's as simple as that um, yeah. but that's where they won now back to th- this this series this year is the emergence of donovan mitchell it should have happened last year he was spectacular against the nuggets but yeah. jamal murray was that much better this one of those series freak series whatever Because in the long run, if I had to bet on one, I'd easily bet on Donovan Mitchell. Oh yeah, any Jamal day, Murray. any yeah. day, yeah. Yeah, so it's just one of those one of those series. It's like when Gilbert Arenas dropped fifty uh, or sixty on Kobe and the Lakers. It, just, it happens once in a while, but <laughs> not sustainable. Um, Donovan Mitchell, he's he's legit. He's he's a superstar now. There's nothing separating him from the best in the game. He's at Tatum's level, though he doesn't defend at Tatum's level. Uh, he drives the franchise like he does, and. Yeah. he's their focal point on their offense and this is a team that has a bunch of shooters spread all around it has gobert in the in the post and you see when push comes to shove when they're on fire whenever their offense is working it's usually donovan mitchell at the crux of it all and they're getting lesser and lesser fancy with what they need to do to set up donovan mitchell because donovan mitchell's getting more and more fancy on offense True. They earlier needed double screens. They had staggered screens. They had people fading to the basket from a staggered screen, so Mitchell could dink it in for an easy dunk uh, to whoever rolls to the basket. None of that now. And also credit to how atrocious the Clippers are sometimes on effort. Uh, that the Jazz don't seem to care anymore. Like they'll call just about anyone to give help to uh, Donovan Mitchell. Right? <laughs> like in the beginning. You would have two players, say Kawhi, maybe once in a while Paul George or whatever, defend Donovan Mitchell, mm-hmm. and then you would have to set up all kinds of elaborate plays to create open shots or not that well contested a shot for Donovan Mitchell. Then you see this game, just about everyone on the Clippers except maybe Zubac defended Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. at one time or the other. He scored on all of them. He made Paul George look ordinary, scored a three on him, got Kawhi, pulled Kawhi to the perimeter, drove right past him, didn't need a screen. Just took out Kawhi. Easy. Went to the basket. Scored. Uh, Beverly, don't even get me started. That was only too easy for Mitchell. So, so now the jazz, the jazz that required Gobert to come out every time and set a screen for Mitchell, so that it's an effective. That's a seven footer setting a pick and then yep. last time too, because Mitchell's not that big a guy. If Kawhi or Paul George is guarding him, they have an immense height advantage on him. So he needs that Rudy Gobert pick. It's a solid seven foot of guarding you. Go to the other side and then pick a pass or take a shot. Now they're just like just about Jordan, Jordan Clarkson setting screens for Mitchell. Like they don't give a damn. They call it the coach can come and set a screen and then they'll score. <laughs> It's becoming borderline disrespectful if the Clippers don't show up in the first half of Game Three 
mm-hmm. I I'd bet they're going to get blown off the floor. Oh wow, that that'll be fun to watch. Uh, I Kawhi Leonard was silent today. He was guarded amazingly well by Bogdanovic. Yep. He made Kawhi Leonard a passer rather than a shooter because he couldn't do anything. He was there was no way he was going to shoot from those positions, and he had to pass the ball. And then as the Jazz, you could live with. Paul George in the playoffs taking a three pointer. You could live with Marcus Morris taking a three pointer. You could live with that. Marcus Morris went zero from five today, by the way. Yeah. Paul George went eight from eighteen. That's because he made two uh, shots at the end. It was he was six from sixteen. That's how bad he was, and he continues to be bad. It's not surprising anymore. Uh, and like you said, if the Clippers get blown out in four and five, yeah. I don't see Kawhi Leonard staying beyond the summer. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, no, no way. And and Paul George, look, uh, people will point out to the fact that Paul George has suddenly become like this elite playmaker. Like mm-hmm. he has twenty, thirty assists and only three turnovers in the last three games. First of all, stop giving aggregated stats. Each game yep. starts and ends at full time. Stop True. giving aggregated bullshit. Talk about each game. Most of those games would have resulted in losses. So a, it wasn't good enough. And b, b, most importantly, and if Kawhi Leonard leaves. Paul mm-hmm. George was signed and touted to be one of the best two-way wings in the game, second only to Kawhi Leonard. Right. He was touted as an elite scorer, an outstanding defensive wing, and therefore the perfect pairing with Kawhi Leonard. People said it was like MJ and Pippen all over again, stylistically, mm-hmm. if not ability-wise. Mm-hmm. So then, don't don't tell me Paul George <laughs> has all these assists without turnovers. Nobody gives a shit. That's not his job. And if it is yep. okay, I will will buy it. If now this new avatar of Paul George, this elite playmaker, this is him. This is him. This is him now. Okay, great. But then there's nobody to score, dude, because you were the second biggest scorer on that team. The whole game plan rested on you scoring along with Kawhi. So you are turning into a playmaker, which is great, which is all swell. Who's scoring exactly? Because yeah. Morris isn't hitting his shots, right? Jackson, who the hell knows when he gets hot? He has these streaky quarters where he drops a bunch of shots, and that's about it. Okay, Zubac is not Shaq, so why we why we acting like all PG needs to do is pass and it goes in, right? And then who are you left with? Paul George. That's the only other starter, but he's the playmaker. Then then who's scoring exactly? True. Batum, nope. Beverly, good joke. Cousins, maybe, but I don't know. They've not given him that many minutes, so I don't know if his fitness is up there. Uh, and that's about it. I cannot again. Who the hell knows when he makes a shot? Every once in a while, he drops a three, and in this game, that's all he did. He dropped a three. <laughs> it's not going to work. Nobody cares that Paul George has these many assists without turnovers. It's like Aaron Rodgers throwing all those touchdowns without interceptions. So what's the point? You get dumped uh, when it matters most. Nobody cares. <laughs> the Clippers did it again, didn't they? I mean, they they uh, again rotated the starting lineup. Zubac was starting today. Nick Batum went to the bench. Pat Beverly, who was not seen in the first few games in the first few playoff series, suddenly played twenty one minutes today. Reggie Jackson played a bunch of minutes. Rondo didn't even get a minute. Uh, Demarcus Cousins played eleven minutes. It seems yeah. pretty obvious that the Clippers have no idea what they're doing, yeah. and like it's like a lottery. You turn up in the morning, whoever turns up first gets to start. It it kind of seems like that at the moment, and it's not surprising anymore. I was talking about this whole season long that if the Clippers don't figure out the starting five, they're not going to uh, win in the playoffs, and that's exactly how this is turning out to be. It it sucks. They missed nine consecutive shots at the stretch in the. Yeah. In the end of the game and to wrap up the game, that's how oh, terrible they are in clutch. Oh right, correct. And in the third quarter, a third or was it the fourth? Five shots in a row. The Jazz only hit threes. Yep, yep. They decided that, you know this mid-range thing's not working. We're missing too many shots. They screwed. Let's just hit threes and then five in a row. I don't know if it was five shots in a row, but five shots that they made were all threes in a row. Yep. And and 
that was so effective because clippers were still shooting twos and not at a mm-hmm. very great percentage as the lex wrote if we shoot threes even at a slightly lower percentage we get uh, we get that separation and that's exactly what they did that's how they yeah. closed down the gap uh, when the clippers were trying to get hot uh, there are yeah. there are two stats that actually stand out uh, which i wanted to share uh, 10 teams have gone behind 20 in consecutive series none of them have come and won the second series uh, so the clippers staring against the wall here the other stat is that there are four teams who won who lost their first playoff game and won six in a row three of them have won the title you think the jazz can start dreaming big now and the clippers can start looking forward to going home jazz should be dreaming big anyway i think when you top the league it's not just the conference they have the best record in the league and they have yeah. every business to have ambitions of going and winning it all and this jazz team that can defend like this uh, they'd be a handful for whoever comes out of the east whether it's philly mm-hmm. or brooklyn or uh, milwaukee I'm going to hesitate to say Atlanta. I know they're still in the mix. <laughs> it just doesn't seem real. But true. Uh, and and by the way, they take they take the Hawks for sure in the Jazz. So, so I think their their chances are good. Their biggest challenge though is first getting out of the West. I think uh, top mm-hmm. finals would be putting the uh, Cavaliers ahead of the Hawks. Getting out of the West is a big challenge. The series isn't done. They're two nil up, but it's a dangerous team they play against. So the, the first step is get past these guys. Sure. and then who do you face in the finals looks like it's the phoenix suns and that for me mm-hmm. is the greatest i know we every series we keep saying this is the series of the playoffs <laughs> that would be the series of the playoffs um and i'm that that i'm looking forward to that i really want to see because both teams can get feisty on defense both teams can get hot on offense um jazz are way better at three shooting than the suns are suns really? live and die by crowder's three shooting if crowder has an off night their entire team's gone cuz nobody else is spectacular from three um but uh, both these teams uh, should have ambitions of winning it all this season one of them should get to the finals as it stands yeah that that'll be a great matchup to watch if it goes until there uh, great games tomorrow the hawks and the 76ers face off in game 3 in atlanta where atlanta hawks have an amazing record over the past couple of months and then the denver nuggets take on uh, the phoenix suns in game 3 back in denver denver yeah. always have a home advantage because of their high altitude and it makes it difficult for the traveling teams to come play there uh your picks for those games i don't i don't see denver doing much damage to the suns suns really have to go to sleep for denver to get a win mhm uh i have to agree time. there actually yeah wouldn't be the first time they slept in game 3 though um <laughs> happened in the previous series <laughs> but no i think i think it's too i think that lakers win was big for the suns and i think they really now believe that that they're here to stay i i'm sure they came into that lakers series with that confidence but actually getting past and thumping the champs yeah. like that 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 ought to have felt good and that kind of elevates True. your your confidence so i'm betting on them learning from their mistakes uh, of being a little lax in game 3 uh, game 4 last uh, in the first, in the previous series i got can't really see denver uh, pulling an upset here so it, it would be an upset if they win they can win it would be an mm-hmm. upset so i'm favoring the suns sixers and the hawks i i actually like the hawks chances man i i think i think the sixers <laughs> came out really stifled them in the previous game and and uh Treyang kind of didn't know what hit him and the ball mm-hmm. was forced out of his hands and then everyone else kind of let him down i think the hawks will come back it's a very young team so you're not going to have the level of consistency that you get even from say a phoenix suns mm-hmm. young as they are they've been working uh, towards this for a while with the hawks it was like they sucked for one half and then suddenly uh, yeah. start getting hot they woke up in march yeah. yeah exactly and that's when they figured out their rotations and all that so it's still a young team not just in on court age but in terms of how how long they've played together in this system right so 
so the, it's it's entirely possible that they'll have wildly swinging fortunes like in one game they look clueless and then one game they come back strong i expect them to come back strong it'll be a great game i'm rooting for the hawks to win but it's a tight call slightest to the hawks maybe just because of I, i think we're on the same page there i mean it would be fantastic to see the hawks win because yeah. you always like an upset you like to root for the underdogs right but i think the sixers are strong and they might as well get over the line it'll be a fun game though nevertheless a lot to catch up and talk about uh, it'll be a fun weekend the nets and the bucks play again on sunday uh, on saturday actually and uh, the jazz and clippers in game 3 so by the time we talk next we might have the series decided who knows we'll see when we catch up on monday yeah, we'll have a ton of games all right man cheers all right see you hey if you enjoyed this podcast don't forget to check out our other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can listen to us on the ivm podcast app ivmpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts You can also follow us on our social media. We're at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to us at Triangle Offense, and you know you do, you know you want to reach out to us and tell us that our opinions on your favorite players are trash. You want to tell us Magic Johnson is still better than Steph Curry, and you don't think Steph Curry has changed the game. For all that and more, reach out to us at Try Offense Pod. That's T R I O F F E N S E Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. If you love cricket, listen up. The Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast is here for you. Hosted by DJ Varun and me Ashwin, we bring a fun, fresh fans' point of view to talking all things cricket. Sometimes it's just the three of us. Sometimes we have guests, including current and former international cricketers. For new episodes every week, check out the Edges and Sledges Cricket Podcast on the IBM app, website, or wherever you get your podcasts. Working Monday to Friday, glued to your chair, making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure, and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website, or wherever you get your podcast from.